Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to my virtual cool kids table. Hey, if you're listening to this in somewhat real time when the when the episode airs, by the way, this is episode 545. Uh, if you're listening in real time, we're going through some stuff in our economy. And so I have been trying for the last few episodes, not every single one, but the last couple of weeks, I have tried to reach out to really smart people who can help us weather this storm. And so today's episode is specifically around what's going on because in addition to self-quarantining and everything that's happening because of coronavirus, there's gonna be a long tail of uh, problems that are gonna happen to business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and even people who work for companies. And so I thought, who do I know who is an economic leadership expert? I kind of racked my brain. I said, I wish I had a friend who had a PhD in economics and 30 years experience teaching leadership. And of course, I have a friend who is exactly that. And that is my friend, Dr. Mary Kelly. Now she has actually been on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Before. I didn't go and look it up, but it's in like the first handful of episodes. She was one of my early, early guests five years ago. And uh, we were not in financial crisis. In fact, five years ago, we were on the uptick of what became some of the biggest boom times. However, I reached out to Mary and said, hey, I have a favor. Would you today jump on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do so that we could talk about how to lead through crisis, whether you're a solopreneur like me or whether you're managing a team of hundreds or you're managing a company of thousands, these are things we have to talk about. So Mary Kelly, welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Tom, thank you so much. And I never feel like I'm cool enough to be on your show, but I'm really grateful that you asked me. And so a couple of things. First off, it wasn't just five years ago. It was five weeks ago. <laughs> we were experiencing record highs in the stock market. The S&P 500, the Dow Jones returned last year, 22 and 28%. We were rocking and rolling. And then this week, because of all the fear and the uncertainty and the fact that people are acting from a place of scarcity and being afraid that the stock market has tumbled, causing people who were okay with staying home for a couple weeks with their kids, and now all of a sudden, they are just nervous. And we're seeing a, a lot of unintended consequences from this, from this fear. And part of that is 
uh, people who are uh, wondering, do they pull their money out of the stock market? They pulled their kids out of school. They've pulled themselves out of restaurants. You know, what's next? Well, and last week I interviewed Eliz Green, who is a mutual friend of ours and an expert on stress and dealing with stress. And, and her main message was the brain does not like uncertainty. You would rather know that you're going to get a promotion or that you're going to get fired when you get that call to your boss's office. But if you get a call and you don't know why the boss is calling you, it causes you to freak out. And so uncertainty has been something that uh, has been on my mind since Eliz and I talked about it. And basically she said, chaos comes into the brain when you have uncertainty. And a little little personal note, kind of not on the happiest of things, but it'll all be fine. Uh, my daughter, who I talk a lot about, I have two daughters, I talk a lot about them on this show. The oldest was scheduled to get married in eight weeks. And for the last three weeks, there's been a lot of uncertainty around what's going on with the coronavirus. Would there be uh, limits on how big a crowd can be? Would there be travel limits? She's having a destination wedding on the side of a ski slope uh, that they had planned for 16 months. And it was kind of one of those things they were going to have to wait till May 1st to see if the May 16th event was even going to happen. And yesterday her venue called and said, we will not be opening up again during the ski season, no matter what, and your wedding's off. And I asked her, how are you? And she said, you know, the uncertainty was killing me. And for six more weeks of having no idea, she goes, in a way, I kind of feel better that someone's made the decision for me and, and now she's gonna plan a whole new wedding because she doesn't wanna wait a year but there won't be ski season come the fall. So uh, she's starting over from square one and, and going to have an entirely different looking wedding than she had spent 16 months planning, um, which is you know sad, but at the same time, this is the reality. And to be a leader, and I told her, that's what you just demonstrated was leadership qualities. She can only well, change the things she can change. Well, and that's absolutely true. And first off, you have great kids and <laughs> she's, good, she's resilient and they're gonna get through this. Um, What's interesting to me, Tom, and you know that this has been the topic of my latest book called Who Comes Next? Leadership Succession Planning Made Easy, which is because corporations say that only 14% of corporations, major corporations, say that they have a viable plan for leadership succession in case something happens. And small businesses are a much lower percentages of what happens just in case. You know, we think we plan for emergencies, but we don't. And you're absolutely right about this idea of uncertainty. So let me share a military um, correlation for your daughter that, you know, this whole idea of jumping out of perfectly good airplanes is I think a terrible idea, but we do it. I'm going to, I've, I've actually never done it, but keeping with my motto of try new things, I am actually going to go skydiving for my 54th birthday in June uh, if we're allowed to see other people. Um, so let me just tell you what you're going to go through. So the night before, you're not going to sleep very well because there's this whole idea of seriously, am I going to do it? Because you don't know. Even though you say I'm going to do this, there's that doubt in your head. And anytime there is doubt or uncertainty, it creates your heart rate to increase, bump, 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 bump. It creates um, stress on your body. And when you, so you get all suited up and you're getting in the plane and all of a sudden your heart rate starts to increase because there's still that uncertainty. Am I going to actually do it? Here's what's amazing. And it's exactly what your daughter said. As soon as you take that step out of the airplane, your heart rate goes back to normal because the decision's been made. Once the decision's been made, 
all of a sudden the stress goes away from your body. And this is why people can handle bad news. What they can't handle well, and Eliz is exactly right, is they can't handle uncertainty, not knowing what comes next. So what I love right now about what's going on is we have decisive action to get people to take the right action, which for most of us is self-isolation, self-quarantining, go home, stay home, you know, pet your dogs, mom, actually learn how to cook for yourself, um, make your own lattes, and spend time at home reviewing the things that you know you need to do. So that's, that's one aspect of this. And I don't know, you know, do you want to talk about some of the things I've been telling my leaders about how to lead through a crisis? Yeah. I mean, I think that that, that's what everybody, like I said, whether you're, you're managing a team or you're a solopreneur or you're a worker, you've got to manage either your, your people or you got to manage yourself. Nice. So, um, as you know, in the military, we've dealt with crises before. And I have to tell you that there are some similarities between this and 9-11 and I say that in terms of people's reactions. So during 9-11, I was in charge of a bunch of people and we knew exactly what to do because we had a contingency plan for what if. And it's the what ifs of the world that you say, what if? And we hope to God it never happens. But in 9-11, our worst nightmare was it happened and we had to take action. So in the military, we all knew what to do. We had a plan. We had that emergency plan, that contingency plan, that succession plan because we had to move people. And you trained and simulated for it, which most of us have never done for anything like this. Well, we hadn't necessarily simulated it, but we did have a plan that we're like, okay, what happens next? And what do we do next? The what if, if we have to do this, then what then? And we did have a plan for that. Now, none of us had ever been through something like 9-11 but we had the ability to take action. And this is where I'm seeing the same type of inaction that people are, are feeling like, okay, circle the wagons, don't reach out to other people. Uh, self-isolation means isolating myself, watching the news 24-7 and feeling like a victim. So that's number one is you can acknowledge the problem, but you can't let yourself fall into that trap of feeling like a victim. Well, and and something I'd like to add that I've been talking to all of my clients about is this idea of isolation, right? This idea of, of, what is it, uh, social distancing. I've been talking about the fact that while we have to social distance, it's the smart and prudent and right thing to do, apparently. The other thing we have to do is we have to actively put our attention on how do we socially tighten. And so I've been calling it social tightening in the fact that you might be home alone, but you shouldn't be isolated. We have at any time in history, we have more communication tools than we've ever had. And in fact, you and I are doing this interview. I can see you on Zoom. Uh, It's not, I'm not recording the video, but we have that ability as we're communicating to smile. I can see your face. I can nod at you while you're saying it. And as human beings, we need that. And some people get into this whole thing of introverts versus extroverts. The big joke last week when they talked about social distancing was extroverts everywhere are celebrating. Well, there's a difference between wanting some solitude as an introvert and being lonely or feeling left out. And it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, you can fall into this loneliness. And so you have to take that little thing to to take that screwdriver and turn it to the right. It's a little righty tighty, tighten that social connections uh, as best you can in this situation. So if you remember the black death of uh, 1347. I, I don't remember it. I was not born yet. Are you sure? Because, you know, I'm getting old. I'm getting old, but I I don't remember the Black Death. 
So the Black Death, which was mostly transmitted by fleas on rats uh, during the Middle Ages, which which wiped out a third of Europe in four years, um, people couldn't socially distance themselves. They were all living together in a one-room hovel with uh, no really great heat, no good sanitation. We have the ability to socially distance, but at the same time, stay close to each other and support each other. And I think that's one of the keys. And one of the things I'm reiterating to my leaders is acknowledge the problem and acknowledge other people's feelings about this. Now, I know you covered that with with Eliz, and I think that's really smart. But acknowledge the problem. Hey, you're supposed to be working from home, but now all of a sudden you might have your kids at home. Now you're supposed to be tutoring. And so we think, oh yeah, that makes sense. Well, but what if you are a parent and there's only two computers in the house and now all five of your children all have to do their schoolwork online. You're supposed to be working online. You have two computers and your internet goes out or your power goes and now what do you do? And so that falls into the what if category. So ask the questions, you know, what if and get factual answers and create a plan. So what if, how are we going to structure the day? So you get your kids together and you say, okay, Who's got stuff they need to do online right now? Let's everybody jump on, figure out what your plan is, and then make a schedule. That's the what if. If we have to do this, what if? And then mommy has to do this at this time. Well, a lot of us as adults go to bed later than children, so we can work later, we can work around things. So that as a boss is something you can do to your people. And that is ask the question, what if? Is your schedule going to need to change during this time? Are you going to be unavailable for conference calls during the day because you might have kids at home? Are you going to be uh, needing to work different times? Is there something else we can do to help you manage this uncertainty and this new normal, this new change for you know what could be weeks or months? Interesting. So what are some of the other things people should be doing? So they also need to calmly figure out your strategy with your team. And that means bringing people together and saying, hey, here's what we know, here's what we don't know. But we have to plan for the worst and hope for the best. And that's what a lot of, a lot of people hope for. They plan for the best and they hope for the best. And all of a sudden, they're left with no contingency plan. And again, in the new book that Meredith Elliott Powell, um, and you know her, she's amazing. She's smart and funny and beautiful and talented and way better than me. Um, that we found that people oftentimes don't strategize because strategizing means they are taking themselves out of the equation and they are sharing their knowledge with other people. And partly, we need, we have a need to feel needed. And this is why a lot of CEOs, a lot of presidents, a lot of people don't want to retire because they need to feel needed. They want to be the person who's calling the shots and they want to have the final say and they want to feel important. But in times of uncertainty, we have to get the team involved and get their input, even if you don't want to. And I tell my people this and they go, but I'm the leader. I should make the decision. Well, yes, you do have to make the decision, but you also have to get your team's input. And how do we do that in a world where all of a sudden the team, it used to be, hey, everybody into my conference room. And now it's everybody is all over the place. And like you said, someone might not be online because their kid has to do the lecture. You know, all these college kids are home working from home. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, and I forgot to tell you this as we started to record, my internet's been going out the last 24 hours because so many people in my neighborhood are on the internet and it wasn't designed 
to have this much traffic going on, you know, constantly. And so we've been seeing spottages, not just in my neighborhood, but in neighborhoods all over the world. So in economic terms, I just want to let you know that that's called the production possibilities curve, which means that we never want to be operating at full capacity. We want to be operating down here so that we can plus up, we can surge up. And you're absolutely right. And this is creating uncertainty. So some of us have to resort to cellular means of communication. And so you can use that in term for technology with Slack, with group me's, with exchanging information. But the important thing for you as a leader is to keep everyone informed, even when you have imperfect information. People are relying on you. This is like your kids, like finding out about sex on the street. No, they need to find out from people who they trust, you know, the parents. So you as the boss want to make sure you keep your people informed of what you know, when you know it, even when it's imperfect. And a lot of my leaders say, well, I don't really have anything. Then you tell people what you do have. You say, you know what? Um, I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. We're going to get through this together. I need you to know that your job is secure. I trust you to be able to work from home. Um, We just need to give it a couple weeks. Don't worry about the organization. I'll let you know what you need to know. I'll give you updates. Um, I'll keep you informed on our numbers. I need you to stay calm, to stay focused. And here's my top priority for what you need to do today. I know you have a lot of things juggled, but I need this done by midnight tonight. So just because we're in this crisis mode doesn't mean that people are not held to expectations. We still have companies to run and companies are what's going to get us out of this mess once we emerge on the other side. So we do need to hold people accountable. We need to make it very clear what they are accountable for. And then we need to let them know when they've closed the loop and gotten things done. So let's take this to the micro level. What about the individual who needs to lead themselves or their family through this crisis? Mm-hmm. I. I realize that there are some people who are feeling a sense of overwhelm. And for those people, I will tell you that you have to get all the crazy that is in your head because you've been inundated with negative imagery, um, fear mongering, the media is certainly blowing this up. What we need to do is stop the emotion and make good decisions based on facts. So there's facts, there's opinions, and then there's emotions. And if you've ever had a fight with your wife. I know you haven't because you're perfect. That never happens in my life. That has never happened. 29 years together, never. Never. But But if somebody else has ever had an argument with their spouse or their partner, what you know is that mostly those arguments are based on feelings and sometimes miscommunication and sometimes opinions, not facts. And we in the business world have to make good decisions based on facts. But we also have to organize all the negativity that's in our head and get it out of our head. And our buddy Scott Halford wrote a book a couple of years ago called Activate Your Brain. And I asked him one time, I said, why does it sometimes feel as though my brain is really ready to explode with all this stuff going on? I got a lot of crazy going on up here and all these ideas and thoughts and what am I going to do next? And he said, because every time you say, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, I need to do that. Oh, yeah, I got to think about that. Your brain takes that as a task and it creates, this is my words, not him, he's way more eloquent, but it creates basically an open text box in your brain. When you've got all this stuff going on in your brain, your brain gets overloaded. And then when you go to do things, your brain kind of gives you that blue screen of death. It just shuts down because it's exhausted. So I'll tell you what I do. I have a productivity sheet. I do one each and every day of my life and it gets things out of my head. It organizes what I have to do and it allows me to focus on what's most important. It lets me calmly strategize about what's going on. So if I had 
a house full of kids out of school, um, a spouse or a partner who is working from home too, internet shortages. Um, now my dogs are barking. Um, the house is dirty. There's more people in it during the day. I mean, all this stuff. I'm going to calmly figure out what calls do I need to make? What follow-up am I going to do to promote my business? What's my to-do list? What are my appointments or meetings? What has to happen today? And my short, um, short-term short goals and my accomplishments. And I would do that for each member of my family to regain control. Because again, there's all the things we can control and then there's all the things that are happening and there's that little section in the middle and that's where we are. So we can't control everything and this is a time of change for a lot of people. And so if we can't change what's going on, we're going to be isolated. We have to embrace it. We have to reach out there and grab it and say, you know what? This is going to be a new fun adventure and aren't we lucky to be living during this interesting time? <laughs> and by the way, this productivity sheet, it's totally free. It's on my website. So nice. anybody can Nice. And what is your website? It's ProductiveLeaders.com, ProductiveLeaders.com, because who wants an unproductive leader? Well, that that's entirely true. So, Mary, this is very fascinating and so timely. I've got some more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by, as all of them are, Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really, really cool people like Dr. Mary Kelly. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, and actually, I know a lot of people are looking at this as a way to communicate with clients right now. A lot of associations that I work with are coming to me saying, Tom, how do I start that podcast? Well, guess what? Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Mary, another thing that you're an expert on is personal finance. And this is something that's ringing in the head of all entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders. What do we do? Right. So as you know, I wrote a personal finance bestseller and thanks for raising that. It's called Money Smart, How Not to Buy Cat Food When You Don't Have a Cat. God, I should go uh, read it now because I'm buying uh, everything and in in, in my brother. See, that's right. That's right. Um, I was in XO school in San Diego getting ready to take over a command and uh, the person next to me. Uh, that was back when you had to actually write notes to each other. You couldn't text each other because that hadn't been invented yet. And uh, she said, are you in the stock market? I said, I am. She said, I'm afraid of the stock market. And I said, I'm afraid of being old and having to buy cat food when I don't have a cat at home. Because physiologically, we can live on cat food. And I got to tell you that seafood medley is nowhere near as good as it sounds like it should be. Um, Because cat food has more protein than dog food, just in case you were wondering. Didn't know. Didn't know. Um, And I will tell you that by the time this podcast comes out, my personal finance book, Money Smart, I am making it free starting Thursday. Oh, that's when the show comes out is Thursday. How how amazing is that? It is free um, as a download on my website, and it's both in English and in Spanish um, because I think people are really struggling with personal finance right now. So let me just give you a couple of three tips off the top that you can do that your leaders, your leaders, your listeners, your friends, your kids can do right now. So first, grab all your credit cards 
and look at how much debt you have on your credit cards. Uh, the average person, about 44% of Americans carry credit card debt on a fairly routine basis. Um, and of those people who carry credit card debt, they carry about $8,700. So one of the things you do is you pull up all your credit cards, you call up and you find out exactly how much debt you have on that card this very second. And then you ask your credit card issuer, you say, hey, I noticed that my APR, my annual percentage rate is currently 19.5%. You know, I'd really like a little bit of help right now. Can you lower that for me? Now, they're either going to say yes or they're going to say no. If they say yes, fantastic. Um, they lower it to 5, 5%. That's fantastic. That helps you out a lot. If they say no, you say, thank you so much. Is there anybody else there who might be able to help me? Because sometimes a supervisor can make that decision. And they will either say yes and pass you to a supervisor or they will say no. If they say yes, you ask the same question to the supervisor. Again, be nice. These are people who work in customer service and they get beat up all the time. So be nice to these people and they can help you. And if the supervisor can help you, great. If they can't, then put down the phone, call back in an hour. You're likely to get somebody else and they might be able to help you. But always give them three tries. So that's number one. Call all of your credit card companies if you carry a debt and ask them to lower your APR, your annual percentage rate. Number two, take a look at all of your bills very realistically and say, is this necessary? That's the big question. A lot of gyms are closed right now, so guess what? We probably don't need that gym membership. So call those people up and say, hey, how are you handling this? How are you billing me? Are we waiting till you are open in three months? Um, how do you want me to handle this? And many gyms are just saying, you know what, we're just waiving your fees for this period of time, um, so come back to us in three months. Okay, that's great. If they say, well, you know, we're still charging you, then drop them. Drop the things that are not necessary. And so look at all of your subscriptions, all of your memberships. A lot of us have memberships to things that we don't even remember. $7 a month, $9 a month, $11 a month. We don't even pay attention. So go gather all of those up. Take a good hard look at it and then decide, again, as a family, if you made those decisions to get those as a family, whether or not you need to keep them. And then number three, take a good hard look at your wants versus your needs. So right now, one of the great things about this time we're in is it's forcing people to prioritize what's really important. And that means their, their time, how you're spending your time, and your expenditures. So look at the things and say, is this necessary to keep me alive? And if you've got debt and you want to reduce that debt during this time when maybe you're not being paid, then you look at it and say, if this is not going to make sure that I am alive and keep the heat on and keep the lights on and keep the internet on, then it's probably a want, not a need. So I probably don't need to buy it. Now, if you've got plenty of money, now is a great time to go online, shop like crazy, support other businesses, order stuff, do anything you want. But if you're one of those 59% of Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck, now is a really good time to analyze what it is you really need to do. Awesome. Was that all three tips? That was all three tips. It went so, so again, fast. You're call what? It went so fast. I know. So you're going, to, you're going to call your credit card companies. You're going to look at all of your subscriptions. And then number three, you're really going to craft that budget based gotcha. on the needs, not the wants. Gotcha. So Mary, I know that you're in the process of releasing a brand new book. What a great time to release a new book when uh, the world is in, in chaos. However, for entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, your book is actually really important because it talks a little bit about What's next? Succession, et cetera. So could you tell us a little bit about the book that's about, is, has it come out yet or is it about to come out? 
It is out. It is on Amazon. It's a Kindle. It is a paperback. Nice. And if you go to our websites, it is a hardback book. Um, the topic is who comes next? Leadership succession planning made easy. And the idea behind this is we looked at large corporations. We looked at medium-sized organizations and we looked at smaller businesses. We also analyzed family structures. And the issue we looked at is what happens if your CEO or the president or just a senior leader and you suddenly have to leave your job. Now, maybe you're promoted to another company. Maybe you are one of those Americans who thought you were going to work to 67. The average American, by the way, thinks they're going to work till they're 67 years old, but they actually have to leave their job at 63 because of their own health problems or because of health issues for a spouse or a partner or another family member. And all of a sudden, that's four years of earnings that you don't have. But more importantly, it's oftentimes a sudden move. And this is what's happening. Also, um, the average CEO in America, well, about 40% of CEOs in America only last 18 months. So guess what? If you're being fired, you kind of don't care. If your spouse is super sick, all of a sudden, you kind of don't care. If you're moving to another company, you don't care. Or if you're dead, you really don't care. So how do we plan for succession in a way that allows our legacy to be something that lives on after us? And some people say, well, what would a military person know about legacy in the business world? Well, you got to remember, Tom, that I did 26 years on active duty. And when you get assigned to a job, you're only there two to three years. So when you think about that in your business, that every single person is only there two to three years. Which is true. Yeah. Yeah. And that means every year you're losing one third to one half of your entire workforce is turnover. So we have to focus on making sure that person who comes after you is successful. And that's a mindset shift. A lot of times people say, well, I don't want the person after me to be successful because, you know, I want to, I want to look like the hero. That's the wrong attitude. But the other part of it is you have to make sure you're constantly reiterating what is important for your team. And that means sticking to the facts, making sure people are properly trained, be really honest with your team and provide timely information constantly about where they are, what they need to do to be successful. And then we in the military have a turnover binder in the army. They call it a consistency binder, a continuity binder. And you put everything in there that you've learned in that job. And then when that new person comes in, you pass on that binder. And the idea is you want that next person to be even more successful than you. Hmm. And actually this book, as you were talking, I'm thinking now is the time to read it because we're in crisis. Who knows what's going to happen? If you don't have any type of plan and you're an entrepreneur or a business leader, this is probably the time you got a little time on your hands. You should download this book and uh, and, and get this information into and practice. Thank you. You're absolutely right. And this is all about contingency planning and making sure the business, the organization is successful. Again, in economics, there's something called the principal agent problem, that most people operate from a sense of what's in it for me instead of what's in it for the organization. And one of the things that Meredith and I are really proud of in this book was when we go into organizations, we have a year-long program, and we go in and we work with corporations for a year, and we put together their entire succession plan. And one of the things, like I said, we're really proud of is at the end of the book, we actually include all of the forms we use for the book for people who want to buy the book. And then we put all of those together in an eight and a half by 11, this terrific, beautiful workbook, which again is all the compilation of the forms we use all the time. Because people, especially in times of uncertainty, they need a guide, they need a template, they need 
somebody else who's good at it to show them the way forward. And that's why we're really, we're really excited about this book. It's gotten some really great reviews from um, terrific people and some military people also said, hey, this will help us with our military succession. But then our business leaders got excited and said, you know, I know I'm not going to work forever and maybe I need to start thinking about it now. Mm. Well, Mary, thank you so much for, for, for jumping on. Any last words for, for the audience? Um, yes. Action trumps fear. So whenever people are feeling afraid, uncertain, and they don't know what to do next, you have to give people the right action to take at the right time. And it needs to be small chunks of action so that they get the quick win right away. And that will rebuild their confidence. It decreases the uncertainty and allows them to move forward in a productive way instead of wallowing in self-pity and doubt and uncertainty. Action trumps fear. Well, again, Mary Kelly, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And thank you to everybody tuned in. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, We're going to be back in a couple of days with somebody just as cool as Mary Kelly. Uh, And I'm going to try to keep bringing shows the longer we're we're stuck in this social distancing world. I'm constantly going to try to bring people on who can help us get past the fear, get past the uncertainty, and look for ways that we can and should be getting that social tightening, making sure we're keeping in touch with the people who matter at this time. I'm going to try to do as many shows as I can focused on that over the next few weeks, hopefully not few months, but uh, you never know. We recorded this on a Tuesday. By the time it airs on Thursday, we could be in an entirely different world. A week ago, I did not think we'd be here. And here we are. So again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you like the show, go tell a friend. Uh, When I ask people how they found the show, almost everybody got it from a recommendation. If you really like the show, jump over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review. That's how new people find the show. Uh, Reach out to me or to Mary uh, and let us know that you liked it. That would be awesome. I'll have her contact information on my website on this page. Alrighty, get out there. Flex those entrepreneurial muscles. We need you right now in this economy. Make sure that your ladder is against the right wall and uh, go out and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.